For over 28 years, Aflac has been a champion, donating over $168 million to fight pediatric cancer and blood disorders, including sickle cell disease. This December, Aflac proudly joins 97.1 Wash FM and Children's National Hospital for the annual Wash for Kids Radiothon. Mark your calendars for December 14th and 15th for a heartwarming 14-hour live broadcast where you can join Aflac in their efforts to support the miracle work happening at Children's National. Save the date, tune in, and be a part of something extraordinary with Aflac. Hello, fellow Volt Hunters. I'm J. Michael Tatum, and you're listening to The Geek Show. Hi everyone and welcome to The Geek Show on 104.5 CVFM. Hello Nat, how are you doing? I'm okay, how are you? I'm okay. Um, we are starting a, just a touch late this week, sorry about that. Um, we are missing a Dave, uh, he has unfortunately been uh, kept away from the show by the buses. I do believe, yes, uh, if I am incorrect, please please don't shoot me Dave. <laughs> no, no, I think it was Blakey. <laughs> <laughs> See, I knew someone would get that joke. Yeah, how you been, Nat? Uh, I've been good. I've been uh, productively writing away about a terrible book that I read, thanks to some. What friends. another one? Yeah, yeah, another. One. It's really bad. It's uh, pseudo sci-fi. Pseudo sci-fi. Yeah. Um, What's it? What, tell me what it's called, so I can avoid it. It's called Eve. So I don't think you'd have read it anywhere. Eve? Yeah, E-V-E, Eve. It's a girl's name. <laughs> e- uh, see, uh, I'm getting confused because I play Eve online. Yeah, no, this is uh, Eve by Anna Carey, I think it is. Um, basically, virus wipes out 98% of the population of America. So a guy takes over, calls himself the king of America, and then says all the orphans of America now have to be the baby-making factories or labour, depending on their gender. 
and Eve escapes is completely useless for the entire novel and then uh, uh, falls in love with a boy. I don't know, it's written by a woman. Woman things happen. <laughs> so basically it's Mills and Boone in a post-apocalyptic world. Yeah, it's it's Twilight, but with a virus and not vampires. It's terrible. It's just terrible. It sounds it. Yeah, it sounds it's it sounds really it, bad. It sounds awful. And sorry, what was the author called? Anna Carey, I think. Anna Carey. I will avoid that. I will avoid that like uh, like I avoid like the, the uh, post-apocalyptic plague. Yeah, I was about to say, <laughs> like I avoided the black plague and the red plague, and yes, I am old. Um. <laughs> but um, yeah, it, it's just it's 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 pretty terrible. I will have a review out. Mm pretty soon um i'm writing it currently it's i've got about 600 words and i'm still only on the first chapter of the book ouch <laughs> it's not good you know you're not do are you actually hanging drawing and quartering this book um currently yes i haven't <laughs> i haven't got very far into what the book's actually i will I, I'm, I'm having to force myself to move on from the because I've just you know when you get a lazy author who just can't be bothered like writing a book where where it would actually make more sense sort of like how Aldous Huxley said it had been generations yeah since this had happened so it made sense that the children were indoctrinated well she sort of just sent centered it nowish and hereish so she could go books and people know what books are and a television so people know what a television is. So yeah, it's but, kind mean, of thing is, um, we know how cults tend to work, and you can be brainwashed pretty quickly. But, oh yeah, but you know, I don't. There's think still a part of the human mind that rebels. You can't erase the values of a family in one generation. Yeah, this is true. Right, okay, we do have news for people. First up, obviously, has to be the PS4 is now on sale in America. Not here. <laughs> I don't, I don't think it's on sale here until the 29th, isn't it? Yeah, I think it's... Yeah. Um, but uh, Kotaku ca- uh, have uh, put up a list of all of the release titles that came out in America, uh, just waiting to be imported over here, along with several PS4s. Ooh. Yeah, uh, a friend of mine already has one. <laughs> that's, that's pretty naughty. You shouldn't <laughs> do that. Hey? You shouldn't, like, import one. <laughs> he did. Well, all right. He can afford it. Okay. <laughs> That's he, me can afford, he, he can afford it. Um, I don't know whether you're allowed to or not, but uh, it didn't stop him uh, or her. Them. <laughs> yeah, them. Yes, his name is his name's his name's Hans Gruber. <laughs> <laughs> right. Anyway, um, titles that that uh, that have come out uh, for that. Sorry, the launch titles for the PS4, obviously. Just one very quick thing. The PS4 is adding MP3 and CD capabilities, right? Just to lay that thing to rest, because it did cause a a storm in a very small teacup amongst a very small minority of fans who have very loud voices, and everyone assumed, oh, no, it's a Ferrari across the internet. The internet appears to be a very, very small community of, like, boys... Yes. ...who just can yell louder than the rest of us you know that kid in the supermarket who throws a tantrum because his uh, because his uh mom his mum won't buy him a particular toy or a particular suite all right the in the internet is a bit like that at times yeah you just want to uh, you just hear him going Wah, no 
Oh, sorry, no. Anyway, um, Angry Birds, Star Wars, Assassin's Creed, Black Flag, Battlefield 4, Blacklight Retribution, Call of Duty Ghost, Contrast, DC Universe Online, FIFA 14, um, where are we? Flower, Injustice, Gods Among Us, Just Dance 2014, Killzone, Shadowfall, Knack, Lego Marvel Superheroes, which we have a review of the PS3 version today. Madden NFL 25, NBA 2K14, which we reviewed a few weeks ago. Need for Speed Rivals, Playroom, Resogun, Skylanders Swap Force, Soundshape, Super Mo- Motherlord, Trying to, Warframe, and that's your lot. And I love your hat, Rob. Your hat is awesome. Seriously, your hat is fantastic. Uh, this is the same hat my dad called the Village Idiot hat. What, is it inside out? No. Ah. Well, yes, Rob is here. He has he has arrived. How are you, Rob? It's raining outside. So you're a bit wet? No, I'm just saying, it's an observation. It's raining outside. Ah, okay. Well, we're just talking about the PS4 is now is now here Buses. the PS4 is now here in America um, there's a bunch of launch titles coming out what games are you looking forward to specifically you guys on the PS4 Octodad honestly none I don't know Octodad's, uh, oh, Octodad's one that I'm looking at is that release window though? Uh, I don't think it's in the release window but it's just the song Octodad if we're going to go with that sort of uh, online titles not online, sort of download titles. I'm going for Hohokum. Oh, good one. Kingdom Hearts 3, I, I've been with it for a long time. Are you channeling Chris by any chance? Uh, I'm a girl, I like Disney characters. <laughs> You're a girl, you like Disney characters? <laughs> okay. No, but I, have, I, I, I did like the combat system. I felt that... I, I, I bought the PSP specifically for... Birth, birth by Sleep? Oh, God. No. Birth by Sleep? Was it Birth by Sleep? Uh, yes, it was, because the GS title was 350-something 358 days. over two days. Yeah, yeah. So, um, yeah, I, I followed the series sort of extensively. Yeah. Um, I'm looking forward to it. I probably won't get it immediately. Yeah. Well, it's fine. Uh, right, moving on. YouTube is coming to the 3DS, which is a bit of a surprise since uh, it's Nintendo. Are you expecting a reaction there? Because that's non-news, really. Well, it's not. It's not that. It's Nintendo is allowing you is allowing something like YouTube on the 3DS in the first place. And Nintendo are notorious for. I can't see it lasting long. You know what Nintendo tend to be like. Well, they've just taken letterbox functionality offers, and I'm still like really yeah. angry about that because I was one of the people who used it properly in and amongst my friends who all had 3DSs and it was something that we all had like a, yeah. a good laugh about and and we weren't exchanging rude photos in fact we barely used the photo functionality at all Yeah. so for Nintendo to take that off us and then suddenly give us YouTube is... It seems a bit illogical but um, I mean Nintendo are notorious for being very uh, very close minded when it comes to third party uh, applications on their consoles in the first place. Yeah, I mean, it, it, especially with third-party things, I, I can't see it lasting long. Hmm. Uh, especially with Nintendo America being the way it is at the very moment. True. Yeah, very true. 
Right, uh, light bullets. Um, you know when you see all those laser rifles and pulse pistols in games and you know you see them firing these little bullets of light? Well, scientists have actually figured out how to make light bullets. See, I don't think Dave actually had trouble with the bus. I think he's at home now constructing his armour made of mirrors. Ah, right. Yeah, scientists in Greece and France have teamed up to experiment with ring airy beams, which sound quite pleasant. Um, they won't be. <laughs> yeah, it's a particular shape of light waves that actually focuses itself more intensely as it travels. And they've actually managed to make a little bullet shape from them. They've said that these things can have huge uses in like me uh, in medical science when you're lasering tumors and stuff like that you can instead of having a focused laser beam that doesn't turn off you can just fire a few bullets at it instead For well, a few light bullets let me specify a few light bullets at it instead that sounds you know. fabulous until they weaponize it yeah i know <laughs> that's my main that's my main concern if it's already you know if you can use it to excise tumors you know, it's the moment you use the word bullet, and I just kind of go, no, boys, no. Yeah, I know. <sighs> it, it's it, it's that it's that whole yeah, we don't want to go there. But you can guarantee DARPA has probably got his fingers in this one. Yeah. <laughs> Our good friends over at the the defense, whatever it is. Until they give it to their tiny little robots. With the, I just it's a terrible thing. It's brilliant for medical science and brilliant for like cancer yeah. sufferers and all that, but I it, it, I just don't trust people. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. People uh, was it? Uh, yeah, people are stupid. <laughs> people are bad. <laughs> yes, you heard me, people. Anyway, moving on. Uh, fair use wins for a change. What? <laughs> fair use wins for a change. Um, this is Google. Uh, uh, Google have won the right to keep scanning millions of books for free and putting sections of them online. Right? They're not putting the entire book, or uh, you know, for online for people to read. But you can, you, you know, you can look at sections of a particular book. Um, oh, I do it? this all the time for essays. Yeah, this is the thing, though. Um, it's it's it falls under the category of fair use, and on Thursday. Last week, uh, U.S. Circuit, Circuit Judge Danny Chin. <laughs> I don't know. Don't get. Me, don't ask me why people uh, people have these names. Uh, he gave Google his blessing to continue scanning more than twenty million books. He called Google's digitization efforts transformative in enabling the public easier access to knowledge while giving respectful consideration to authors' rights. In fact, he said that all society benefits from Google's program. Um, <laughs> Yeah, I know. Rubbish. This is near a decade after this whole lawsuit started between the Authors Guild and Google over its book scanning program. Right? It's now been thrown completely out of court. The Authors Guild is obviously trying to appeal. But, you know, it, it does call into question what fair use is. And it sounds like, what well, I mean, we've all, we've all at some point seen this, uh, seen, you know, a section of a book put on the internet by Google. It yeah. It's not the entire book. It calls, by a long way. It calls a lot into question. I mean, our Amazon different because they put on sections of books, but they're trying to sell them. Whereas yeah. Google aren't trying to sell them. Google are just well, the authors showing them. Thing is, the Authors Guild tried to claim that people could put together the entirety of the book 
just by doing several internet searches, right? No. Now, this is the thing. Some people actually sat down and tested this and found it was a long, laborious process that would take weeks of effort, not hours or, you know, or even minutes of effort. It would take weeks of effort to piece together uh, the entirety of a book sometimes even months, yeah, when it would be easier just to go out and buy the bleeding book. Nobody's saying would do that. In exactly. Fact, if anybody, if, if there are plenty of other ways to pirate a book Yes. that are easier and are not advertising those ways, I'm not silly. I'm not or advocating them. Advocate them on air. Yeah. But there are plenty of other ways yes. that they should be fighting in court yeah. other than just snapping at Google's heels. Yep. I agree. Right, uh, moving on. Robot Revolution, Hunting the Hunters. Um, there's, uh, right, uh, a guy in Florida was hunting deer, right, not realising that they have brought out in Florida a robot deer that's designed to catch illegal game hunters. Oh, this this is going to end well. <laughs> Yeah, um, the Florida Fish and Wildlife Commission have been using robotic deers like this to catch hunters for a while. Um, basically, because uh, because they do the hunting in seasons, you know, you can't hunt out of season. But people don't listen to the rules and they think because they have guns, they can go out and kill whatever the hell they want. Because that's America. Like people? Yes, because that's America. Yep. Um, but yeah, the thing I like about this is the fact that they've got a picture of the robot deer here. And it's difficult to actually tell the difference. Wow, that does look like a deer. Yeah, it's kind of like um, 1990s movie animatronics. Yeah. If it's still, it's really lifelike, but it move, it's an abomination, kill it with fire. <laughs> <laughs> hey, it's America. If like Dick Cheney shot someone that's a human and said he looked like a deer. So uh, Dick Cheney don't need no excuses. Dick <laughs> Cheney does what he wants. <laughs> He needs a Chuck Norris sort of style <laughs> meme after him because he's just crazy. I think he does. He's just it's yeah. just him looking really angry. I think that is his meme. <laughs> I'm cool with that. I'm cool with that. Well, I'd be angry if my first name was that as well. <laughs> well, he is Richard. Yes. Uh, Richard Cheney. Yeah, and I yeah that is a that is a convincing looking deer. I I. If I was an idiot trying to kill a majestic beast in a forest illegally, I'd take a pop shot at that. <laughs> Have you met any deer? What, personally? Yeah. No. They're not majestic, trust me. <laughs> <laughs> and they say such nice things about you. <laughs> oh, well. They're not, they're not majestic at all. I I have I I watched Bambi as a child. <laughs> is my excuse? Yeah, I just, don't. Yeah, just so they're not majestic, kill them all. I'm not saying but, kill them all. Yeah. I'm saying when you're up close and personal with one, they're not majestic at all. I'm, I just I don't advocate. They're, they're basically uh, big, smelly creatures with huge horns. At that point, <laughs> hey, more majestic than we are. No, from a distance they are majestic, but when you're up close to one, when you're up close to say a stag, so are elephants. Yeah, that's what I mean. They're majestic from a distance. All animals are majestic from a distance. Even like, rabbits? Rabbits, <laughs> rabbits aren't <laughs> really majestic <laughs> at any mean. distance. Rabbits are fluffy and small. You can't really see them from a distance. <laughs> <laughs> that was my point. <laughs> from, from a distance, I think they're designed so that from a distance they look like small mounds of earth. <laughs> right, anyway, moving on. Uh, second robot piece of robot revolution news. Cow herding, right? 
They are now testing. Uh, it's a four-wheel ro- a four-wheel drive robot called Rover, which is be- which is being tested by a team at Sydney University. Trust the Aussies to find ways to avoid work um, and take a break for beer. <laughs> they, it's uh, well they, have the Australians become our Mexico? Yes. <laughs> is that what this is? Yes. Why not throw in the horse there that they're all convicts and be done with it and have the whole set? Because you're basically not far off that run. <laughs> most of them, when they come here, do end up working behind bars. So. Oh my god, like, I, I am, I'm, I'm having to draw a line <laughs> under this conversation. I'm very sorry, Australians. I do not vouch um, for this. I do not back this. This I is wrong. I am not part of this conversation. <laughs> anyway, moving on. Um, Rover uh, is being tested by a team at Sydney University. Um, they're using it to uh, test how effective robots are going to be at farm work. We um, we had a thing in our... Uh, I have an obsession, a slight obsession, with uh, how it's made. Yeah. And there's a Canadian um, cow milking dairy farm that's 100% automated... And the cows just go in and get milked when they want to get milked. They get cleaned. They do what they want to do. They, they just potter around the place. And they're all really happy. Yeah. This entire place is just automated. And I was thinking, the Canadians really know how to treat their cows. Yeah. <laughs> Why aren't we doing that? And I thought, because we're not as nice as the Canadians. <laughs> this is actually true. <laughs> That's a wrong stereotype. I've met plenty of horrible <laughs> Canadians. I don't know. I thought that was a vile accuracy for a second there. <laughs> <laughs> nah, nah. Yeah, but anyway, swearier than most people as well. Yeah, a very true. sweary nation. They are. Yeah. Um, the thing, the surprising thing about this is, you'd expect right. Cows are so placid that they generally accept anything, right? They readily accepted this. I don't think that's a you know this four wheel four wheel drive robot. I don't think that's a true test of whether robots will be effective at things like herding. I think you should put it in with a flock of sheep. Oh, sheep are jittery as. Oh, sheep. Exactly. Sheep don't like anything. But then Even again, other sheep? They don't f- like other sheep either. To be fair, like, if you were getting like, barked at by like a small yeah. wolf-like thing, which is your natural predator, I don't think you would be too happy with your lot in life. Do you know, though, this would make one man and his dog a totally different... <laughs> oh, my God, like Robot Wars. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Robot Wars crossed I, with one man and his dog. I would watch that. I think most of us would. Oh, hell, yeah. One man and his dog cross with Robot Wars. Craig Charles should be hosting that as well. (laughs) Oh, that would be a beautiful, beautiful mashup. (laughs) Exactly. I would pay good money for Craig Charles to be hosting that. No, no. Why not? Robert Llewellyn, he needs more work. And he's a better host. Ooh. That's a tough call then. But then they could build they could build the robots to begin with and then they could try and hurt them and that could be Robert the Welland. It'd be crossover, it'd be the scrappy challenge of the Welland. <laughs> yeah. And the blowing things up with Charles. Oh, can you but, imagine but though? the things would be sheep. Can you imagine though with the <laughs> robot going, Come by, come by <laughs> oh, <God>. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh yes. Um, I don't think our voice recognition <laughs> is quite there yet. It might you know, if they had the flipper so they could tip the cows. Yeah, voice recognition really isn't yeah yet because like my 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 Android phone now thinks it has Siri. Don't know when that happened. Thanks what? Google. <laughs> it, what? I was I was um, searching uh, how to spell a word and I find it easier to just speak to my Google like 
than I do type in. And yeah. it was just, uh, it, it started shouting back what the word was at me. And I was like, I don't need to know the meaning of the word. I just wanted to know the correct spelling. So thank you. And when did you become Siri? Yeah, the sad thing about that, though, is voice recognition doesn't recognise accents. And seeing as though most farmers have pretty strong accents, oh, God. that's kind of yeah. stupid technology. Yeah. I, live, I live right near Stewart's Park, and we have cows in Stewart's Park. And I was uh, putting a rabbit's well at night the other night, and um, I just heard the cows, like, really, like, somebody must have been, like, annoying them. And they were mooing really loud over the traffic. And I just thought, first thought instantly in my head was, somebody's bothering them, their cows. And it was just in a really <laughs> strong farmer accent. I was like, what was that? <laughs> somebody's bothering them, their cows. Yeah, like... <laughs> Heading for the West Country. I know. It was, it was like I'd been possessed. <laughs> Did you get a brand new combine harvester? I, I, I'm sadly no. <laughs> We are talking about, what was it this week, Bob? Pigs in space. Why pigs? Because it's lost in space and it's Muppets. Ah. Do I need an excuse to put in a Muppets reference? No. Yeah. I didn't get the reference, that's why I was asking why pigs in space. Yeah, exactly. Pigs in space is fine by me. Hiya, this is Gavin Dunn, our Miracle of Sound, and you're listening to The Geek Show. That's right, last one to kill a bad guy, buys the beer. Lost in Space, though. Yes, no, sorry, yes, sorry. Anyway. Pigs in Space. Pigs in Space. That's got to be the name of the show, because Muppets references win all arguments. It's just... Yes. True. Um, yeah, anyway. Start, uh, start us off, then, Rob. Uh, what? Start us off, then. <laughs> what do you mean, start us off? Lost in Space. There's a lot of things uh, popping up nowadays. Uh, well, the inspiration behind this idea was uh, Gravity, the new Alfonso Cuaron movie. Yeah. And it's just something we haven't done before. We've done space exploration, we've done aliens, we've done probably not as much as we should have in space, but <laughs> lost in space. It's yeah. it's a new thing. It's taken in many different directions and many different genres so far. Why not? And uh, instead of just doing movies, we do TV and movies. Yes. Because there's a very different split there. Talk about both. Uh, TV, it's much about the exploration, whereas in movies, it's all about the horror of being lost in space. Not quite. Not quite when you're talking about TV. Because big yes, generalisations. Big, yeah. big generalisations. No, yeah. uh, what, I'm, what I was going to say was, when you're looking at the whole idea of being lost in space on TV, right, um, the exploration side of things was definitely Star Trek. Right? No, no, well, not just that. There's like uh, Stargate, Star Wars, Star Trek. Yeah, it's all exploration. But within those, you had Star Trek Voyager, which was lost in space. You had Stargate Universe, which was lost in space. You had Battlestar Galactica, which was lost in space. And hell, even Andromeda went off at the deep end and didn't just get lost in space, got lost in other, other dimensions. You're missing the elephant in the room. Red Dwarf, man. Yes. That's what I was waiting to jump in with. And I would argue that that's less about the exploration and more about the horror. A bit of both, yeah. really, yes. Because they they don't really explore things just happen to them. Yeah, they don't they don't actively seek. They just want to go home. Yeah, they don't actively seek. They don't think, oh, let's go look at that. They the, think, the, I just yeah. I I want to go home. I'm I'm setting off course. Yeah. In fact, the end of the 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 episode is the slime's coming home. Yeah. So, it's 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 about it is about just one one man. Or one human's mission to get back, to well, get to get to Fiji, yeah. to get his three horses. <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, it, it, it's Fushao and it's Cloister. 
<laughs> How did that end anyway? I can't remember the last episode of Red Dwarf. It's been. Uh, what do you mean? The proper ending, the uh, fan ending, well, or the, the series uh, 9 or the series 10 ending? The original the run. Ending. The original run. Uh, the original run ending in series 8 was that um, Rimmer knees death in the nuts and everybody goes to the Mirror Universe. Oh, well, except that's an ending. Rimmer. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Um, the series 10 ending is that. Um, Rimmer is again a hologram, which is never explained, but he sort of overcomes his um, crippling neuroses by realising that his dad was never his dad. Oh, ah, yes. And is actually the, the, the gardener's son, <laughs> which was beautiful. I actually, I actually very, I did appreciate that ending. I, I didn't, the series wasn't excellent. The one that um, I found quite twisted was uh, Roboros. Our Rob or Ross. <laughs> Our Rob or Ross. I was Couldn't like, even decide a name. <laughs> <laughs> it was better when both of them were together. So what was it? Lister was his own dad. Yeah, Lister's his own dad and his uh, girlfriend's his mum. <laughs> Jesus is a very common name. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, enough about Red Dwarf. Let's talk about some of the other shows for, for a second. <laughs> we can't talk about Red Dwarf all the time. Um, but I mean... The thing is, Red Dwarf, yes, it was, you know, it did have that horrific aspect of being alone in the universe trying to make your way home, right? Um, other shows also had a little bit of that, but, they were, but you know, when you're talking about, like, Voyager or Stargate Universe, there's people around them. Voyager, I found... It, when I was younger, hmm. I really latched on to Voyager because it was a female captain and being a young sort of... yeah go against the grain girl you sort of latch on to any strong woman that you can yeah i also really like the character of seven of nine mm. love that oh. um but as i've gotten older and i've gotten more into the star trek mythos yeah um voyager devolved very quickly yes, into did. oh no we need a bad guy bog yeah oh no we need a bad guy herogen Oh no, yeah, we need a bad guy. Uh, Species 8472. I, I can't think anymore. We just need to write bad guys. <sighs> ah, whereas the other ones tended to try and be a bit more cerebral about it. The, the interesting thing that, uh, thing is that uh, it was an episode that had 7 of 9 in. It was basically an area of space that uh, humans couldn't survive in. And it was taking a shortcut. And the only things that were left on board were seven, you know, active were seven of nine and the doctor. Yeah, but I the, with systems degrading all over the place, that was actually quite a horrific episode because you saw seven of nine's characters start hallucinating and degrading mentally. That, you know. that I agree. There were some very good episodes of yeah. Voyager. Well, but overall, they were there were episodes. Yeah, exactly. By like Harry Kim's inability to speak to anyone that wasn't Tom Paris like a human. They were clouded do you by think, like, Harry Kim and Tom, Do you think like Harry Kim and Tom Paris were the foundation of like uh, Howard and Kuthrapoli from the Big Bang Theory? Yeah, yeah, Because yeah, they did have that kind of. They were the they were the bromance. Yeah, they they were. They were Star Trek's bromance. Yeah. And unfortunately, the the relationships that that show tried to rely on, that they, they tried to build on, just weren't strong enough to carry it. Yeah. They, they needed to either characterise the, the, the players better or they needed to have stronger shows, and they did neither. What about something like Battlestar Galactica, then? Where the whole premise wasn't... 
that they, you know, it wasn't that they were simply lost in space, but they were forced to run away from their home world and look for a mythical planet that, you know, mythical 13th colony that they didn't even, they weren't even sure existed in the first place. Technically, it does fall into lost in space, but it also kind of crosses over into that exploration bit, doesn't it? Um, I like Buck Rogers. <laughs> Buck Rogers was lost in time. I've got, that, I've, that got was, I've got nothing to add. I just that like, sentence was just I like <laughs> I like turtles. Mm, I do like them as well. Go get them, Buck. <laughs> I do like them as well. Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Did you just yeah. Bitty, 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 bitty. yeah. <laughs> Movies though. Yes, we are cramming these two yeah. sections together. Movies, on the other hand, it's much more of a horror thing to be lost in space. I was. You know, it is, scrub a yeah. mind, actually think of something about the exploration, and really it's only the Star Trek movies and sort of I things off the back of that. It's all I think horror. It comes from, I think that comes from TV's inability to do horror, though, because TV can... Well, own, until recently. I know, but because TV can do exploration. Can't, because TV can't do horror, it does exploration. Mm. And because films then... Yeah. feel like they can't do exploration, well, you can't, they do horror. You can't fit exploration in, like, uh, one and a half, two hours. Yeah. You know, you oh. can't... Well, it depends on the, no, you the can guy. Do, you it's can, much easier to do horror than it is to do exploration, but no, it's not impossible. You, you can do adventure in that time, but you can't do actual exploration, you know, because uh, you can condense it down to, say, an Indiana Jones-style adventure or maybe a Star, Star Wars-style adventure. Well, there's an but exploration you, in that. Know, there is an exploration to that, but, you know... If you're if you're getting your kicks from say Star Trek, right? do you mean like a serial exploration? Like there's no five year mission. Yeah, that kind of exploration. that kind of thing. You can't do that sort of thing in a movie. Um, well, it's one of the reasons the, why uh, it's one of the reasons why diehard fans of Star Trek didn't like the new version of Star Trek because well, it's an action movie. Yeah, it's an action movie. I liked it. Both of them. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I care. Well, there was a space I battleship. Thought they were okay. I yeah, okay. Like, I did that. I didn't go mental for them. I thought they were okay. I, I when you're going back and working with things and you're trying to work with a fandom, you've got to tread carefully. And I thought he tried his best. I'm, there was, I'm, yeah. I don't I'm, think he did with the second one. There was some weird continuity well, bits with old Spock flag- and young Spock. Considering the flack he got for the first one, no, I think why he, should he try honest, and work with the fans no, anymore? To be honest, if you know, if you're going to go about revamping everything, fine, fair enough. But you know, yes, I don't think you're going to get the same kind of dedication. Uh, sorry, the same kind of dedicated fan base. If you just basically, say, I mean, he got a lot of flack for the for the original one because. He was creating a new continuity, and fans, you know, uh, diehard fans won't even change their underpants. They don't like change, right? But with the second one, right, it was, it was. Uh, I would look at it as an insult on several levels. Number one, wow. the guy's name is Khan Noonien Singh. He's supposed to be Indian, not a white guy. I found it extremely racist to cast, uh, and I don't care how good an actor Benedict Cumberbatch is. I found it extremely racist for him to be called that, but not look Indian. Oh, so you wanted to be, you know, Indian? An, an actual and no, uh, oh, have so an actual more there's, offensive. There's, there's quality Indian actors out there, yeah, there are who have that Indian gravitas. So why I not know, cast one of them? But the fact of the matter is that it was purely because Benedict Cumberbatch was the flavour of the month. Yeah, it is, but that's the same across a lot of Hollywood. And that's what I'm saying. At least in the original series, they are, uh, and even in the, the original Wrath of Khan, they actually had. An actor who could pass as an Indian, 
He may not have been Indian, but he could pass as Indian. You know, they actually paid attention to that sort of thing. Nowadays, the new Star Trek isn't even paying attention to that. Thanks, Rob. Sorry. You bought that right up. My rant about Wrath of Khan. All of the thought of the movie got out. I know, but it's hard hard to come back against the racism card, and that's why I don't like playing it. And I don't, I don't like, uh, even when it comes up in my academic studies, yeah. I don't like, I, I don't, don't like playing it in my academic I, studies I generally don't against like playing a piece it. of work. No, I generally don't like playing it either, but when it's something, uh, when it's something as obvious as that, you know, it, it, it you know, it kind of crosses the line a little bit. <coughs> but it, it, anyway, it's a, it's a fact against, it's against open casting then. Because that's that's a casting matter. No, and what I'm saying is, Khan is oh, also a German surname. There's other right? things other than instead of calling Star him Khan Noonien Singh, could have chosen a different name. His name was John very Harrison. Just drop it. Yeah, very <laughs> simple. Very simple ways of of solving the issue. Just change the name from Khan Noonien Singh to Khan. He's called else. John Harrison. You know, that's the end of that. Anyway, there's more things than Star Trek. Shut up, Rob. <laughs> Go on then. The horror aspect of things. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Uh. <laughs> well, has anyone actually seen Gravity? Yes, yes, yes. loved it. Because um, you're reviewing it today, aren't you? Yeah. No, no, no. Oh, okay. There's too many things to review. All oh, right, okay. Um, actually, do you know if we think about it from the other from uh, the other the other side, because we, we're thinking about it in terms of humans being lost in space, but. If we think about it in terms of, say, other things that are lost yeah, in space... Yeah, you're getting far to too much in your big in the scope there. Meta. Yeah. <laughs> it's yeah. getting a bit meta here. Because if, if you're going to be like that, Event Horizon isn't a weird, wibbly horror film. It's about a ghost ship in space. Yeah. And... What? <laughs> Event Horizon yeah. is, is no, the ship that's lost. And I'm, it's uh, Claiming people's lives and eating their eyeballs and stuff. Yeah, I mean, but film. what about all those... Uh, all those I mean... Uh, the original invaders of the body snatcher, invasion of the body snatchers. They were basically spores sent out from a, uh, from a dying planet. What do you mean? It was the same well, in both. It was Ordo. the same in both. Hey, Ordo. Ordo. From DS9, oh, yeah. yeah. uh, one of the founders, one hundred, or arguably Doctor Who. Yeah, Doctor Who gets lost go, in space a lot. Well, he can't go back to his home planet because that's gone. Exactly, Daleks as well. I mm. do those uh, actually Scarrow. count? They can go back to Scarrow. Yeah, I don't know Doctor Who, so I'm mm. going to shut up about it. I thought Scarrow was destroyed. <laughs> no, the, the, uh, because um, I'm pretty sure you say no, I'm pretty sure Scarrow was, was I destroyed. It was just cursed Earth. You say this, no, but I'm the Daleks sure, have you know. Uh, we'll check on that. Yeah, the, the Daleks have died out and been murdered about twelve times over, so they can make yeah. a planet again if they want to. Out yeah. of Lego, yeah. Lego handy. Yeah, this is true. Timey wimey. Wibbly wobbly. Yeah, wibbly wobbly, timey wimey stuff. And, you know, their enemy has always been stairs. Um, it's, it's, <laughs> it's always been the, uh, Lost in Space has always been the option of choice when you want to make like, a straight up alien killing everybody movie. Exactly. Well, I was going to say. That seems to be like, the sort of common denominator in these things. The, the blob, for example, landed, landed on Earth on like a random meteor. Or something yeah, like that. but the blob's cool and groomy, grooly and slimy and but horrible. What I'm saying is, it was just, you know, it could have hit any planet. It just ha- it so happened to be on a course for Earth. Well, it's through um, like the uh, I'm, I might be bringing up some a bit out of this, but uh, the uh, Tyranids and stuff like that in 40k. Triffids. Yeah. 
No, oh, the Triffids as well. No, the Triffids. Triffids yeah. actually count as well. That sounds a lot like Triffids. No, Triffids, uh, the Triffids. Uh, I'll bring up, yeah. I'll bring up Nids and Games. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but the Triffids, yeah, the Triffids fall into that category. Well, no, because uh, the flowers. Yeah, well, no, they're the aliens. They're alien they, they, oh, flowers. Yeah, oh, yeah, of course, that makes loads of sense. No, they are, they're alien. Oh, no, I'm just being pedantic with alien <laughs> flowers. Alien, oh, because we can have alien aliens and yeah. alien spores and but alien we can't have fungus, alien flowers. we can't have alien flowers. Suddenly I mean, I mean, that's two out there. We can't, it's running zombies as well, it's all the same field. Yeah. <laughs> oh, alien florists suddenly can't happen. I mean, the thing is... Uh, You're damn right they can't. <laughs> The, it's just that to me it stri- the, to me it strikes me that there's a difference between like uh, say the aliens who purposely come to earth to harvest our resources like in V and Independence Day and stuff like that and then, ones and then the ones fall. who just randomly fall to earth and then invade well they don't like there's some that like invade and then there are some who are just frightened and like attack and there's some who just look really cool like yeah. uh What's he called? David Bowie and the man who fell to earth? Yeah. He doesn't really care. He's just a bit of a stoner. And he yeah. goes around looking cool. <laughs> so, hang on. What, uh, In fact, what? I think that's just David Bowie, normal. Yeah, that's it's just David Bowie of the time. And then, and then you've got yeah, like... it's uh, a pretty cool idea. Yeah, yeah. This will look good. Yeah. And then you... Uh, well, I mean, he's not really lost in space. He's more like lost on earth. Like E.T. and the creature from... Uh, space to him, though. Yeah. That's not his home planet, so he is... Lost in space. Yeah. Technically. True. Well, he is, but so is E.T. and that creature from Super 8. But uh, they're also lost on Earth as well. Hmm. Earth's in space. <laughs> at the end of the uh, new Thor movie, there's that uh, whatever it is lost at the end of the... Collector, I think you call him. I have to uh, Google that. I don't like know what he is. proper smashing up them boxes in the oh, middle of London. <laughs> oh, yeah, wibbly, wibbly stuff. And I like the wibbly stuff in Thor 2. Yeah, it's it cool. good. Yeah, but yeah, he's just he's just sort of left over. Oh God, sorry. Thinking of Thor too, I just keep remembering that Chinese poster, <laughs> that Chinese thing. <laughs> Did you see it, Rob? No. Um, basically, someone photoshopped a kind of bromance version of Thor two poster with Loki doing the whole swooning bit Slash of it, Thor yeah. going like that with his arm around him. And yeah. then, you know, this was a Photoshop. Like I think it was some satire or something like that. Somebody had making it, having a joke at it, and <laughs> a bunch of cinemas. Decide to use it as their advertisement for Thor 2. Okay. <laughs> so they've got these big st- cardboard standees in the cinema of Thor and Loki, you know, Loki swooning in Thor's arms like some kind of weird Mills and Boone romance. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I've seen the drive one, so it's kind of old hat, that. Yeah. It was funny, though. Anyway, um, where were we? Pick of the geek, I suppose we should do. Round it up. Yeah. Um, what do you think when you hear Lost in Space? Red Dwarf. I immediately think Lost in Space. I'm, I'm taking Red Dwarf. The really camp... Uh, oh, well, the really bad one with the... Danger, Will Robinson. Oh, God. <laughs> oh, <laughs> mincing boy. Yeah. I, I'm sorry, but when someone says that, I immediately think Lost in Space. Well, that's a bad phrase in oh, Picking a Geek. It's just no. the, the best stuff when you think yeah. pick, uh, Lost okay, in Space. You, the stuff that you want people to see. I right. want people to see Red Dwarf. I want people to see series three through seven. <laughs> if you haven't seen Red Dwarf at this point, you just basically fail. Yes, <laughs> I will agree with that totally. Uh, mm. There's no argument from me on that front. Um, Lost in Space. Uh, come back to me. Ooh, uh, <laughs> Remember, it's up. movies and TV. I've got to put The Man Who Fell to Earth in because it's... <coughs> it's 
David Bowie being yeah. David Bowie in the 70s. Yeah. <laughs> so high. <laughs> so high. There's nothing else to say about that, Matt. Yes. <laughs> uh, rather, I'd like to pick an episode of Red Dwarf, but I'll think of that one. And another movie. Oh. Uh, Alien. I'll think of an episode of Red Dwarf to come up with. Actually, sure Alien, uh, Alien fits because at the end of it, of course it is lost in space. That's why you said it. Yes. Uh, <laughs> what are you going to say, Nat? See, now he's got me thinking of a, like an episode of Red Dwarf. Enough with the Red Dwarf. I can't help it. <laughs> think of something else. Uh, never. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm trying to think of a movie that I'd like, but all I can think of now because of you is that terrible remake. <laughs> She's got Joey Tribbiani I'm in your head oh, It's awful Gary Oldman was good in it though Gary yeah, Oldman's Gary Oldman's, Gary Oldman's, Oldman's everything Yeah, I was going to say Well, most things No, not everything Oh uh, yeah, true, everything He's Gary Oldman He, he, he can't stop being Gary Oldman I mean, if he, was, see... if, if he was selling Virgin Media I'd have no problem with it Because he'd make it the most awesome thing in the world But yeah. David Tennant Come on, yeah. you better. I, I, I've got to say, I'd love to see a Best movie doctor, where... Really? No, he's nowhere near. He's terrible. <laughs> I'd love to see a movie where Gary Oldman's playing the bad guy against Alan Rickman's bad guy, where you have just two bad guys against each other. Alan, Chris... Rickman, Alan Rickman on one side and Gary Oldman on the other. Christopher Eccleston, Best Doctor Who. Yes, I agree with that. Tom Baker. Now. Chris... Tom Baker. Tom Baker was good, but Christopher Eccleston had that... Oh. No, I'm. See, he was very. I, I did enjoy him, but I still loyal to my growing up. Who? No, I love Tom Baker. And that don't was get me Tom wrong. Baker. Don't get me wrong. I love Tom Baker, but Christopher Eccleston had that. He had that manic man- darkness. Yeah, which I expect from the Doctor. He's a Mancunian Doctor. Yeah. Yeah. It looked like you do your editing with a crowbar. Yeah, he probably <laughs> he looked did. Like, he, he looked <laughs> a bit like... The uh, thing is, uh, we, I expect the Doctor to look a bit like, like a car thief because, obviously, he stole the TARDIS. <laughs> we apologise to all people of Manchester. It seems we're developing our own very own Boris Johnson here. If there's a person who exists somewhere in I the world... I wasn't talking about Manchester. I was saying that I expect the Doctor just to look like a car thief because he stole the TARDIS. It's a very easy conclusion to come with you insulting Mancunians. Sorry, I'm, people I'm, of hang Earth. On, hang on, hang on. I'm a, I'm a fan of Liverpool. It's kind of part and uh, part and parcel. Sorry, of being a general fan. people. Yes, yeah, sorry, humanity and people who draw breath in their lungs. Sorry, species of this planet. He apparently does not like any of you. It's his turn this <laughs> no, week, and I'll just go and blow him out the water next week by being really inventive. With me. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> We're taking turns. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, right, uh, pick of the geek then. Uh, I think I would like people to watch. Uh, no, not Stargate Universe because really I couldn't stand it. I, I watched the first se- the first uh, series and it just it, aside from Robert Carlyle being all dark and stuff like that, it just started really annoying me. I never watched it. Uh, if I'm honest with people, I just never bothered with it. Battlestar, um, I would say def- definitely. What about Firefly? Oh. Sorry, continue. Just oh no, 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 no! I have, I have it right. If if there's any show that I want everyone to watch that really has to have everyone watching it, it's Farscape. Oh, oh. Sh- you are so boring. <laughs> Farscape. So, Crichton is truly lost in space. Farscape. This Farscape. That you and Farscape sitting up a tree. K i s s i n g. Yeah, if I could. Farscape since it was on like BBC Two, and I was like six. 
Farscape is possibly the most imaginative and inventive sci-fi that has come out in the last 30, 40 years. Sliver. That's a Lost in Space movie. Sliver? It's very gruelly and horrible. Oh, God. Body horror sort of thing. Oh, right. But it's the uh, James Gunn one with Nathan Fillion. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That's Lost in Space, because the alien is lost in space. He's not lost without purpose. It's going from planet to planet and consuming and moving on. But he is lost in space. There is another one. If uh, if you're talking movies, then Apollo 13. Which one? Apollo 13. The one with Tom Hanks in. Oh, I've got to say Gravity as well, because Gravity is awesome. Exactly. Apollo 13, Gravity. Shall we take a break there? Yeah. This isn't going to be one of these hour and ember things. Uh, it is sure. going to be one of those. No, it's not. You, you, I, I, I've sealed off that part of my brain. I'm it, sorry, I can feel it in my water. It's going to be one of those. Why are you... Oh. <laughs> feel it in me what? what? <laughs> Rob hasn't told him. I'm channeling a 90-year-old at the moment. Okay. Or he's pregnant. I don't. Hello, I'm Professor Elemental, and whenever I'm not riding a badger around my grounds or hitting my monkey butler with a stick, I'm listening to the geek show, and my God, I love it. And we are talking pigs in space. Or lost in space, if you are not an avid Muppets fan. Or if you like your pigs cooked bacon <laughs> in space. I'm, I'm sorry, but I never met that person who's not an avid Muppets fan. They don't exist. They just don't exist. I believe we're at the games section. Yes, we are. Why is lost in space such a common theme in gaming? Because we have a very, very homogenised game system. I don't think it is. I don't. I don't think it is as much as people think. Yes, it is. <laughs> okay, name a few. Halo. Left for Dead. Wait. Left for Dead. No, hang on, wrong one. <laughs> um, hang on. No, I named the wrong one. Sorry, I'm very tired. Half Life. Ha- that's the right. Um, <laughs> tons, tons yeah. upon tons of them. Yeah. Um. I was thinking of the game cover and I can't. I can see it in my head and I can't think of what Dead it is. Dead Space. That's the one. Sorry. Loads of them, tons. RPGs do it. Everything does it. No, the reason why the reason why I'm why I'm asking is because we're talking about first person shooters and you know RPG stuff like that. But what about actual space sims? Actual space flight combat simulators. But like Star Fox. <laughs> Star Fox is a good example. You know, um, other things like Wing Commander. Oh. Because they're the most boring games in the universe. No, I they're not. don't. Um. Oh, I'm just making flight simulators into space flight simulators. Yes, I you are. Flight simulators is basically take the take off, land, take off, land. Space space flight combat simulators. You go around flying th- flying around spaceships, blowing up your enemies, all all sorts of stuff like that. They're a lot more fun. It's basically like uh, you know. Uh, Flight sim with shoot 'em up capabilities. That still sounds really boring. It's not. Gallagher? Sorry? Gallagher? Gallagher? Yeah. And we're going back. Uh, um, I'm thinking of really retro ones like uh, Space Invaders. Yeah, but that was Invaders from Space rather than, you know, getting lost in space. I suppose. But I mean. Uh, um, Asteroid? You're just a little ship. You're just a little ship. Yeah, I know, but, you know. What happened, man? Yeah. <laughs> what happened that made all those things crash towards him? Yeah, what exactly. is in his ship? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it, it's powered by a mini black hole. <laughs> that is a terrible idea. That is just the worst idea. Yeah, but you see it in sci-fi all the time. Oh, yes, their, en- their, uh, their, their engines are powered by a singularity. 
Hang on, isn't that just a very? Everything is going to crash into us. Isn't that just a very small black hole? Everything is heading towards us. But apparently, it can power the ship. Hang on, doesn't it absorb like light and energy and all sorts of stuff like that? How are you getting power for your ship from something that eats basically everything? Yeah, physics is not (laughs) MacGuffins. Exactly, MacGuffins and unobtainium. Yes. Thing is, it, it, Sci-fi right is breakfast. Thing is, they call it unobtainium, right? Obviously, they're ripping off the unobtainium from the core where it first appeared in movies. But after they've got a piece of it, doesn't it then stop becoming unobtainium? No, unobtainium just in in a, in writers speak, unobtainium is any piece of anything difficult to get. So we're talking unobtainium as... But hang on, if it's only difficult to get, then it can't be unobtainium because... Oh, shut up. <laughs> no, it's not, it's not actually unobtainable. It just means difficult to get. So we're talking your dilithiums. Yeah, but shouldn't it then be... Can, uh, can be obtain Can be obtainium, yeah, but it's extremely difficult? No, because it's not a literal translation. Is I know, it? I'm winding you up. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I will throw this mic at you. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, Lost in Space. Uh, Dead Space, I totally agree with. I, uh, you know, as, I, as a theme, it's one of the most yeah. common. Well, I, I don't know. Mass Effect. I, I can. I can see it. I can see it with Mass Effect. You know, the original things from Zen came over as as part of an accident. Yeah. So that's entirely fair because they were ripped from. They were ripped from their dimension. What yeah. happens afterwards yeah. is an invasion, but the original sort of yeah. incursion and is entirely well. I mean, accidental. Halo as well. I can see how it how it fits with Halo. Well, know. that's all to do with like with I the mean, Halo the f- mythology, though, rather th- than the actual game. Well, I mean, I'm I'm going off the mythology because I had uh, again. I have a very strange course, and I got to study the Halo mythology as mm. part of my transformative writing piece. So, yeah. Um, so um, we're talking like the flood and where they come from and that yeah. whole that that freaked me out. I couldn't sleep after yeah. I read about that. That freaked me out. Um, but like hum- humanity itself is actually lost in space because humanity is going through its like third age at this point because it's been it it, it was fought back to the dark ages by the didact mm. and. That in a way puts us as a, 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 at a point of being lost in space. Well, the thing is, does humanity still have Earth? Because if you're, if humanity is going to be lost in space, they have to have lost Earth. They can't have a home planet to go back to. Earth That's isn't our home planet. Planet. That's the point. Really? Yeah. Earth. We were seeded upon Earth by the librarian. Ah. Earth wasn't our home planet. Earth was uh, where we were placed. Sorry, I, I, I never get. Oh, I, I can never get past the fact that they call it the librarian. It just makes me laugh. Is this real? Oh, I'm talking about the game. Yeah. Talking about the game. <laughs> okay. Um, so yeah, that's exactly that. That was my reaction when I found out it's called. It's called a what? <laughs> so yeah, it is part of the Halo mythos. That's. I mean that. I mean there are there are some conflicts within that as to whether Earth is our home planet. Earth was. Yeah. But as far as as far as the the sect. I suppose that I follow is is that no yeah. Earth is not our original because we lost a lot of our planets to the flood originally and we were chased into the forerunner 
territory and that's what and then they they handed a ah, our, right. our bottoms back to us and beat us back so to the dark ages in a sense it is a bit like a uh, mission to mars the uh, you know the movie mission to mars oh. where the aliens basically they they found they're alone in the universe um and they've basically gone off to, di- to somewhere else but before they left they seeded life on other worlds including earth yeah. So it's a bit like that then. Yeah, yeah. It's um mm. it's a bit like it's it's Babylon five esque with the like hmm. the the shadows and the yeah. volons and the conflict between them. It's See the thing is for me when I'm talking lost in space, I'm talking literally lost in space. Yeah. You don't have a home world, you don't even have a world. You are basically uh, just trying to you trying to find somewhere where you can actually settle down. Something like Homeworld. Well, the was in forty uh, K. Yeah. Or uh, the Dark Elder, or the Eldar, or the Tau. Yeah. They all, I think the Tau, anyway. Actually, I'm not so I sure about wrong. the Tau. I'm not so sure about the I Tau. I could be but wrong. Tyranid, My 40k is the, very, very yeah. grey The Tyranids, uh, the Tyranids definitely, though. Well, yeah, they're, they're akin to the Flood. They're just like yeah. a, a ravenous beast. But, um... Yeah. Anyway, um, what you, the question you put down is, is brilliant. Uh, with it being such a prominent theme... In, an all, in all aspects of gaming, um, is there a genre that works best with this, and is there a genre that feels more forced with it? For me, space flight combat, you know, or real time strategy, they both work perfectly with the idea of being lost in space. Because I've played so many games that are in those categories where the where the whole theme just works. You know, it, it simply works. It fits in with the mythology. It fits in with the storyline. It fits in with the game mechanics. Homeworld was a real-time strategy um, where you didn't actually have a home. You were searching for a new home, and you were basically having to fight your way across a very hostile universe, gathering resources where you could. You couldn't stay in the same spa- same place. You had to keep moving. It was a lot like playing Battlestar Galactica in a computer game, but as a real-time strategy, you know. Um, there's uh, all sorts of other things. There's uh, you know there's free space, which was an, which was uh, another game like that. It was space flight combat simulator. They did all sorts of mods for it. Um, it worked really well with the Battlestar Galactica mod. I I still think that I, well again I'm an, I'm I play Halo so mm. I like things. <laughs> <laughs> okay, picking this thing's gone a bit over my head. Thunder scene, see. I don't think is it, there's a particular genre that, that works best with it. I think that it, it's all about... I think it's a very personal decision on what you like to play. So I, 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 hate, strategy, I hate strategy games. I, I just do. I think more people should play strategy games. I, I've tried. I don't like them. Yeah, but the thing is, at least you've tried. There are so many people out there who just take a look at it and say, nah, it's not for me. They don't even give it a try. To be honest, though, there's not a lot to try. There's more than you think. It depends on the. It depends on what uh, what you're playing. If you're playing something like Age of Empires, there most strategy is yeah. PC. Yeah, there's nothing anywhere else. That, that's what I'm saying. The the majority. That's why people don't play it. Not most because of it, you know, elitism or whatever. But the thing it's is, just, uh, that's why I said it depends on what type of strategy you play. But I, I, again, I, I'm very personal choices. It's, I, pl- I prefer playing the lone wolf characters. That's my personal set of. Hmm. I prefer being the lone wolf who busts into a crowd of a thousand things, shoots them all dead, and then 
busting all other crowd of a thousand things and shoot them all dead. That's my personal sort of. You know, I just got this. I just got this thought in my head. I want to take a photo of you with like some kind of gun, looking all mean. Then Photoshop it onto the poster for the Arnie movie Collateral. <laughs> <laughs> but um... no, Commando. Yeah, Commando, even better. <laughs> uh, I, I just find that the space-themed games tend to be spread amongst um, shooters a lot of shooters. Well, this is this is the thing. Um, but I find a lot of genres tend to be found, like spread a lot of shooters. See, the weird thing is shooters are popular, right? The weird thing is, right? And Rubble Rubble know this. I haven't mentioned Eve at all during the gaming section. I'm going to mention it now, but please, only... Please hang don't. On, only so boring. Will you just let me finish? The only reason I'm going to mention it now is because it's not a Lost in Space game. It's purely exploration, and so that's all I'm going to say. Why mention it then? Because a lot of people will automatically assume that Eve falls into this category, but it doesn't. That's the only reason I'm mentioning it, is just to clear that point up before you know uh, I do get some comeback from Eve players saying, Oh, Eve is Lost in Space. No, it isn't. Deal with it, and that's to all the Eve players. Anyway, yes. in. pick of the geek. Uh, then, before we take a break for another song, uh, best examples in gaming of being lost in space. Anyone? We've just listed like loads of I games. Know. I'm gonna go down the route of 40k because I played 40k. Baby. I tabletop. I play tabletop. My army is Tyranids. I play Tyranids as a. <laughs> As a, as a brief hobby. <laughs> okay. What about you, Rob? I like things. <laughs> <laughs> right, okay. Um, I have no excuse, really. I wrote this episode. <laughs> I should have made a list of these things. But no, I like things. That's all you're getting. Go- we'll Google Rob's uh, <laughs> during the next song. Um, okay, for me, I'm going to say, uh, in terms of real-time strategy, uh, I would say Homeworld is amongst... It's an old game, but it is amongst the best RTSs that deal with that uh, that fall completely into the whole idea of being lost in space. There's loads of other RTSs set in space. There's loads of other real-time strategies that deal with planet management and stuff like that. But Homeworld was the only one where you actually didn't have that. You were very limited in what you had, and you had to literally fight your way across. Um, th- across, you know. Then also, you'd never know when people were going to attack you. Um, in terms of shooters, in terms of spaceflight combat simulators, as much as I like things like X and stuff like that, there's only one that sits at the top, and that's Wing Commander. Because Wing Commander literally was, you were at war with the Kilrathi for a long time. The Kilrathi were winning as well. Uh, humanity was losing. You know, uh, humanity was losing planets, losing colonies. Literally, humanity was basically like Battlestar Galactica in, in, in effect. And you had to go out and fly. You were a pilot going, having to go out and fly and fight against the Kilrathi. Um, what else? And, ah, hell, I'll just say Free Space because it is a classic. It is a classic sp- space flight combat. No, Mass Effect. Mass Effect. Those are my three. See, Rob's looking at me with daggers. <laughs> I'm not looking at you with anything. Half-Life. I, I can't agree. I can't disagree. You know, what you said about the Zen made complete sense. Right, I'm going to take a very quick break there while we Google more games. (laughs) (laughs) I played a game once. (laughs) I I wouldn't recommend it. (laughs) 
Hello, this is Brina Palencia, and you're listening to The Geek Show. It's remarkable what's sitting in front of us. It's like a six-year-old in the body of a 90-year-old. I'm not quite sure where the middle ground is there. I want to get him, like, a, a walking stick so he can shake it at passing children. Pesky kids. <laughs> he probably would, though, that's the thing. I know. It's, it's, it's sad. I'd do it just for the novelty value. <laughs> <laughs> Reviews. I might though. actually stand on the roof and do it. Oh. <laughs> reviews. We've got yes, reviews. reviews. We've got uh, quite a few reviews today. Uh, we'll start, uh, which one are you starting off with, Rob? Well, there's already a review of Nosferatu up on the site, so I will be quite yeah. quick with this. Uh, Nosferatu is the first adaptation of Dram- Bram Stoker's Dracula. It was actually an official adaptation, and the company who made the film were put out of business paying off uh, Bram Stoker's widow so there's, there's lots of mythology to this as well as the belief that uh, Max Schreck was a vampire which gave life to the movie uh, Shadow of a Vampire in 2000 which kind of really ran with that one uh, but as far as the film it's one of these films that you have to watch if you are a fan of horror really because mm. so much is set up there it's the use of contrast it's the black and white imagery is really stark it's the image of Nosferatu going up the stairs and stalking his victims and the way his shadow yeah. he's got like a really gaunt horrible frame and his fingers are very long and pointy but the way it stretches on the shadow of the wall it's Fantastic filmmaking, and it stands up to date 91 years later. That image, it's just such a startling image, and it sets up so many things that you forget what... It's easy to forget what vampires are because of what the George Schumacher did with Lost yeah. Boys and the Twilight Saga. But is this, the, is this the film clip that was used in the Queen video? It may have been. I'm not sure. The, 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 like... Creepy yeah. guy going up the stairs. Yeah, oh, you see, the shadow. shadow and yeah, that's that's oh, Nosferatu. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it's a great film. It's the best it'll ever look or sound. It still has that really annoying thing that some silent movies do, as in where it changes. It's not black and white. It's like green and white. It's got a weird uh, presentation or weird hue over it, which is something that's in every silent movie. You can't avoid that. But it's as good as it's ever gonna look or sound. And it's one of these films that you have to watch if you're a fan of genre thing, because everything started with this. And uh, another film that Masters of Cinema put out called Vampire by Carl Theodore So this is a very base knowledge of vampire cinema, and you need to see it if you are anywhere interested. Other film, uh, Invasion of the Body Snatchers. Don't really need to sim- uh, synopsize this, because mm. it's, it's kind of in the title. <laughs> it's a big spoiler there. Which you've got a problem with, and the title doesn't really explain what happens in the movie, because they're not snatched. At all. And it's not an... Inv- well, yeah, there's that. Ignore me, I'm rambling. <laughs> but uh, Invasion of the Body Snatchers 1978 is one of these films that has one of the most striking final shots in all of horror cinema. And it's like uh, Planet of the Apes with sci-fi. It's one of these things that you know how it ends, so how can you possibly get anything from it? Yeah. But put that on one side and it's the case of both movies it is the ride rather than a destination and uh, Invasion of the Body Snatchers it's one of these films it's just so incredibly tense it's full of actors like from sci-fi big and large there is uh, Donald Sutherland who I think he's got all the talent in his family Kiefer Sutherland is just a waste of flesh (laughs) (laughs) I say that partly because he's rubbish and partly because he's snake now solid snake I know 
there is Leonard Nimoy, who plays a large figure in this. Uh, Jeff Goldblum, who was a handsome fellow when he was young. I will say that. And now? He's still a handsome fellow. He's ageless. He's ageless, <laughs> our Jeff. But the thing about it is, it's just one of these films that's incredibly tense, and it's got great sort of pre-80s effect. Yeah. The 80s is known for sort of very Cronenbergian body horror mutations, and there's a thing about this, the pod people. That's what this film is known for. Uh, people falling asleep, and a version of them without emotions, without feelings, replaces them by growing from a, a seed. And the imagery it uses to sort of evoke, like, bring that image out, it's really... It stands out really well considering it's quite a decent age in effect-driven films where practical effects date badly, but it's a great film. It is one of the classic sci-fi horrors. It's a great film. I really enjoyed it. Uh, the extras are typically great for our release. It's got every interview available under the sun, and it's, oh, it's just such a good package. And, uh, yeah, it's just one of these must-buys for fans of genre. Mm. You can't really not buy it. And okay. it looks really handsome and Donald Sutherland, yeah. Okay, um I'm up next with the regular show Mordecai and Rigby in Eight Bit Land on the three DS. Uh it's based on the Cartoon Network series Mordecai and Rigby. Initially it appears to be yet another Mario clone, but players can switch between the characters at will, which is uh one of the big changes. Uh, Mordecai can double jump, Rigby can crawl through small spaces, obviously. Uh, each of the levels is fairly large, with three gold VHS tapes and numerous banknotes to collect along, uh, along the way, alongside a countdown for each world. And all of those offer the chance for end-of-level bonuses. You know, uh, problem is, the design of the game, you know, it's 8-bit land. Oh, God, get over it, man. <laughs> it, it's more 16-bit than 8-bit, and it's just a little thing, you know, but it kind of... It's just kind of one of those things that... Kids these days have no concept of what 8-bit is. I know. It's just one of and my little qua qualms If you gave it. them what 8-bit was, they'd be like, what is this? This exact is not 8-bit. Exactly. They need... 16-bit is what they understand to be 8-bit. I'm sorry, it is. It's not 8-bit. I know. At least tell them the truth. They're not. They're kids, not stupid. That's all I'm saying. If it's 60, if yeah, they said 16-bit, I'm fine. In America, they're the same thing. In America. Yeah. I've got one okay. thing to say, Rob. What? Who cares? Seriously. I'm only putting it. it down here because it's <laughs> part of the design, okay? Oh. It, it, look, it's a point about the design. The design is very 16-bit, okay? Not 8-bit. If it was 8-bit, it would look... Uh, it's just the title. No, I'm saying the title says 8-bit land. The design is 16-bit. It's a point to make. <sighs> That's all it is. The controls are very simple. Um, like what a valley isn't a valley. <laughs> So there you go. <laughs> it's a title. Get used to it. <laughs> oh my god, that was the best thing. Oh my god. Oh my god. <laughs> Touche. Point for oh. uh, point for you, Rob. Chalk <laughs> that one up. Yes. Right. Anyway, <laughs> controls are very simple, but this isn't actually just a normal platformer. Um, it is actually very inventive when it comes to the whole platform platform bit. Certain levels have areas where Mordecai can become a spaceship. Uh, Rigby can switch from platformer platform jumping to top down gauntlet style shooter. Uh, you know, and then the levels start mashing these these bits up throughout the level. So there's you know it be it stops being just a normal kind of Mario jump 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 type thing and becomes much more interesting and complex. Um, the game is quite a challenge, so patience on each level is required. The only problem is that makes the timer quite redundant. You know, it makes it makes the timer completely pointless. 
I find most timers in yeah. levels are completely... Um, bonuses are obtained after each level using uh, Amid, uh, Amida Kuji, which is the you know the ladder lottery thing. Um, and players will find that they die a lot in this game, and they may sometimes wonder how it happened, because there are a lot of off-screen enemies and hazards, and sometimes the gap looks so big and you think you can make it, but you just miss because the gap is just a little bit too big. So you need to sprint instead of just doing your normal run-up. Um, the problem with this game is that because of the difficulty level, because of the challenge level, after the first world, the challenge the challenge starts going steeply up. It becomes much, much more challenging as you go along. And because of that, the game, at, at, at a certain point, it stops being challenging and becomes simply frustrating, which is the biggest downside to the game because of all the off-screen enemies because of the random hazards be you know the levels are the level design is great the way they've uh, got included the switch over Mordecai becoming a spaceship you know the becoming a top-down shooter those are brilliant they make the levels really interesting really complex and they do make them a challenge but f unfortunately they've just included a bit too much on the side of challenge and y when you end up dying repeatedly from the same thing and you never see the thing that killed you you start getting annoyed with it you know um the plot is shaky in comparison to the cartoon series i've got to i've got to be honest but fans will have loads and loads of stuff in this game you know to make them happy there's all sorts of references there's also little cutscenes. there's loads of stuff in here that will keep fans of mordecai and rigby totally happy that's out now on the 3ds if you are a fan of mordecai and rigby then i would recommend getting it just be prepared to test some of your hair out. Over to you, I think. I uh, I reviewed the Dead Horse that was uh, Arkham Origins Blackgate. Yeah. Um, <laughs> the joy in your voice. <laughs> I. It's a it's a two point five D on a three D. I, I can't even it's it's terrible it's just terrible it you get clumps of enemies yeah that are it employs the same sort of combat system that you get on the uh the two previous games so we're talking arkham asylum and arkham city yeah um it, you get clumps of enemies and you get the same sort of combat system that you've employed in the last two games and whilst that can be entertaining for a while um, when you are going through a purely linear system, yeah, and then it then gives you a game mechanic, so you get the grappling hook or you get whatever, and you have to backtrack through where you've got all the enemies, yeah, and therefore all the level is clear, and there is no one to fight, and that is the main mechanic of the game. Yeah, there is nothing for you to do. So even though you have to backtrack through these areas to get to the next area, yeah, there's nothing for you to actually do while you're backtracking. It's just empty. And there are secret pathways that lead back to where you were going anywhere. But you might think they lead to a new area, but the game doesn't advertise anything because there is no map. There's a map on the bottom of the screen, but it's, it's largely unhelpful. Um, some doors are locked but you can't 
access where they're locked from because they're locked around the corner and you can't get to that specific corner because the corridor you're going down suddenly turns and then turns again and leads off down a different route and you don't know how to get to the corner that you wanted to turn down because it's not an open world. You are just following a set out path. So you have to find out how to go around that corner, but you can't because you're following the train tracks of what you were set out to be doing in the first place. Um, I got stuck within maybe about an hour and a half of playing it. And I just think that I'm an experienced gamer. I'm not saying I'm an excellent gamer. I'm not saying I'm a good gamer. I'm not saying anything about that. I'm experienced. And when I'm playing a 3DS title that has me on rails... I should not get stuck. And I mean, for 20 minutes, going back and up and down and round corridors and in rooms that look like they should lead places but don't, just are just empty. Are just empty. I should not be stuck. Yeah. And I just, I got sick of it. And I don't think that I should have to look up on a game manual or a walkthrough how to get through a 2.5D scrolling game, how to get through a level. Yeah. Um, The conversations between Batman and Catwoman are nicely subtitled. The cutscenes are okay, I guess. Um, They're not animated well. They're sort of like that hash-up between comic and South Park... Yeah. Sort of like moving paper puppets. They're, they're not mm. excellent, but it's on a 3DS. I don't know what you're expecting. Um, Catwoman, whilst you're following her, shouts unhelpful things at you pretty much constantly. Um, she's in radio... I think you ally with her, so she, she's in radio contact briefly to tell you where to go, but then the map is completely unhelpful, so you don't know where you're going. Uh, at one point, I had to choose my like where I was going, but that didn't appear to affect anything. Um, it's just a terribly rushed game. It's just not good. Mm. I don't recommend you buy it. I don't recommend that you acknowledge its existence. I, I really just think it's it's not a good addition to the series. It's not a good 3DS title. I've played much better 3DS games. And if you can ignore its existence... I recommend you do. Fantastic. <laughs> Very scathing review there, but, yes. you know, if it's a bad game, then it's a bad game. Exactly. Uh, I got to now. Uh, Bioshock Infinite, episode, no, Buried at Sea, episode one. Uh, how much I can actually say about the plot of this without getting into what Bioshock Infinite actually is, is sketchy at best. I've got my theories of what it actually means by the end of it all, but... As it is, uh, you start off as Booker again, and you're in that room where he often, when he dies, and he's in this little office. Yeah. Uh, for people to know. And uh, Elizabeth walks in and offers him a job to find this girl called Sally. And it's all set in Rapture. So, you know, you, you know what's going to happen here eventually. But, again, it's before Rapture went to the. Went to the cleaners, really. It's actually a, a living, breathing place. And uh, this part of the episode, it takes you to somewhere run by Sander Cohen. And yeah. people who played the original game, it's the really, really creepy artist guy. And uh, that's the sort of tone it takes with the whole game, really. It takes the uh, design mechanics of Infinite 
the plasmids or whatever they're called in the infinite. I can't really remember. Is that what they're called? Vigors. Vigors, sorry. The Vigors. And you pick up plasmids from the first game. And uh, you go into his place, which is classic Bioshock. It is a survival horror. It's very creepy. The atmosphere is very foreboding. Uh, big daddies are harder to kill than they ever have been, so it's much more challenging in this very confined space than it ever has been. But at the same time, the problem with it is is it ends at a very conclusive place. I mean, like I said, I have theories about where it's going to go next, but it doesn't exactly think it doesn't exactly kick you at the backside. And think, yes, I need to play this next episode and see what happens next. Yeah, because of where it ends, and I think that's the greatest problem of it all. But as it is, it's a great mashup of the original Bioshock and Infinite, and I think you can't really go wrong, even though it's only what two, three hours long, which hmm. is a pity. I'd have liked it to have been a bit longer, but you know, it is only episode one, though, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, yeah, it's, it's like four hours, five hours if you put them together and they're both the same length. So that's decent enough, I suppose. Okay. Uh, the other one is Lego Marvel Superheroes, which, <laughs> uh, spot-wise, it's about the Silver Surfer. He's got Galactus, and uh, Silver Surfer is blown up, and he's got all these uh, cosmic bricks which people are trying to collect to make their own weapon to do this, to do that. But plot-wise, kind of irrelevant. It's a Marvel Lego game. It's going through levels... Well... The way the game works is kind of an overworld with separate buildings you've got to go into. Yeah. It's kind of building on, what was the Wii U game they had recently, the Wii U game, which is their first open world. I can't remember the title of that. Um, wasn't that uh, Batman DC? No, no, it wasn't Batman. It was just straight up Lego. It was no... Oh, Lego City, wasn't it? Lego City. It's taking the sort of foundations of Lego yeah. City and applying it to Marvel. And I think it worked really well. Uh, I think the, I mean, in playing as the characters, it's much more diverse than a Lego game usually is because it's got all the powers and it really brings them alive in some yeah. brilliant ways. I mean, uh, Mr. Fa- oh, what's his name? Is it Mr. Fantastic? Reed Richards? Yeah. The way they use his power, if you hold a circle, he turns into a teacup. <laughs> <laughs> and there's these little bits where you've got to go to this certain point and you press circle to turn into something to make a useful shape and... He turns into a screwdriver, he turns into all sorts. It's it's a crazy imaginative game, which is quite fun, but uh, it's, it's, it's that's the sense of it. It's fun, it's very fun, the characters are designed really well, it's hilarious. Hulk says something that made me laugh so much. He said, uh, Hulk smash ugly sideburns, when he first met Wolverine, and I laughed. <laughs> he also says, Hulk no like walls, walls only keep people apart. Which <laughs> 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 is... And Tony Stark's is very profound. <laughs> it just, it's just a great sense of humour through it all. I mean, it is buggy. There's certain bits, if you played Lego games, you've got to knock down bit A yeah. to reconstruct bit B. Some of the time, bit A just does not want to be destroyed, no matter how much you try. So sometimes you have to come up the game to go into the game to start it again, which is not ideal. But ide- other than that, though, it's the best Marvel game I think I've ever played. It's easy enough to drop into uh, anybody of any age, and it's deep enough with the Marvel mythology that anybody who enjoys Marvel stuff can get a lot out of it. I mean, it's got loads of characters to unlock. I mean, at least 100, I'd say. Maybe more. Fantastic. Hulk's the best, though. <laughs> Hulk's always the best. He's the funniest. Everybody else just does really bad puns, but Hulk Hulk saves the day with his greatest liners. And now that's like oh, Marvel superheroes. Really, really enjoying it. Fantastic. Right, um, last review today is uh, XCOM Enemy Within from 2K. 
Um, I was going to review X Rebirth as well, but uh, it's too big and too complex a game to do on what the is, show. What is X Rebirth? Just quick. It's part of the uh, it's part of the X franchise um, by EgoSoft. Uh, it's published by Deep Silver. It is a space flight combat trading sim type game. Uh, the tagline is like uh, you know build fight, uh, you know build trade fight think that sort of, something like that. Only problem is, the game, upon release, has been quite buggy. Egosoft have actually apologised for all the bugs with the game. Um, I don't think it's fair to do a review for it today because I've only had the okay. game for about a day and a half. That's fair. You know, That's actually fair. playing it, and it's too big and it's too too complex a game to do a fair review of it. So I will be putting a review of the game on the website. So XCOM Enemy... You know, XCOM unknown. Enemy Within is what I'm reviewing. Is that right a sequel now. to Enemy Unknown? No! Technically, that's misleading if it isn't. No, no. It, XCOM Enemy Within isn't a sequel a per se. It's not a prequel either. It's more like a reboot, right? Okay. Which sounds a bit I weird. Say, yeah. It, yeah. No, it sounds, it sounds a bit weird. Enemy Unknown came out last year. Still not long, though. Yeah, but that's what I'm saying. It sounds, like, it sounds a bit weird, but uh, <coughs> you'll understand why as we go through, right? Uh, this one isn't, devel- isn't developed by the same people who did Enemy Unknown. This one is actually by Firaxis. And it actually it serves. It's an it's both an expansion to 2012's XCOM Enemy Unknown on the PC, but it's also a standalone game on the 360 and PS3. Firaxis are well known because they spent years reworking and refining Civilization V, and now they come back and work their magic on XCOM uh, on the XCOM franchise. And I'll tell you something: the game is is superior in ev- in almost every single way to Enemy Unknown. Um, Enemy Unknown was a game of the year winning Yeah, game, and this so is superior Okay, that's high plaudits Yeah, uh, I have never seen anything like this done Right um, Many of the issues and imperfections of the original game Have been smoothed out or reworked completely Resulting in a, supply, a surprisingly polished game Feels more like a sequel Than an actual expansion Right, it feels more like a follow up To Enemy Unknown than it does You know, just an expansion um, as ever, the game's heavy on the strategic elements, which is why I was, earlier I was saying depends on the type of strategy. Um, but the choices made by the players were even heavier now than they did in M- Enemy Unknown. Um, you know, permadeath of soldiers has a huge impact on your ability to fight the alien threat. Uh, there's some improvements to the inventory system; it makes it easier to swap gear. Lots of new maps, so you don't, you have fewer reused environments. Uh, there is a me- the metal system now allows you to promote soldiers. You know, uh, after each mission, and it also offers new training options and equipment for use in the field. The first of the major modifications or the major additions is something called MELD, right? It's an alien substance that can be used for genetic modification and also to construct mechanized infantry. Now, uh, there's only around two MELD per map, but these are finite resources, they decay over time, and what you'll often find is that you need to balance even more strategic elements of uh, of your normal game that you know that you than you would normally use in order to try and obtain and utilize this resource and it can result in losing soldiers that you that if you didn't uh, didn't go after these things you might not have lost those soldiers but again soldiers are a valuable resource but meld offers you other options so you have to try and balance you know is it worth the risk of going after the meld and the thing is you can't actually see the timer for how long the meld has left until you can you have line of sight on it so you don't even know if it's going to be a wasted journey. You might end up with half your team dead going after this meld, only to find out it's already decayed and, w- and useless, which has happened to me. 
bit of a tease. <laughs> bit of a tease, but uh, it's that that it's that kind of it's that kind of brutal strategy that I actually love about this game. Um, the uh, the meld you know the gen- meld offers genetic modification obviously uh, I've said that uh, the genetic modification offers some minor stat bu- bonuses the real challenge is the mechanized infantry um, and they look great initially you think mechanized infantry yeah big armored soldiers yes they're going to send them in and they're going to blow all the alien threat to kingdom come only problem is they can't carry inventory and they can't take cover so basically they're just big mobile targets that just happen to have more armor this doesn't sound the most accessible of games if and the original wasn't this sounds doubly so well it's added more to the strategic elements um, there's new base options because you've got new options for, uh, because of the meld but because you only have limited space on your base you have to then decide okay can I do without the extra power generator can I do without this in order to have like the uh, mechanized infantry factory can I have the, can I do without this in order to have the uh, like the gene manipulation laboratory um, you know so you do have to think about that as well um, the second addition is a terrorist organization called exalt uh, they're a faction that looks a lot like the g-men from the bureau XCOM declassified they wear pinstripe suits and braces and you know the shades oh, all right 15 you know, wise guy 50s well f- more like the g-men some of them have well, uh, no, yeah. no, 15 wise guys yeah. so. 15 wise guys <laughs> yes <laughs> downscaled <laughs> was 50 of them <laughs> Anyway, Exalt will tend to avoid open combat, but they can become a headache for players because they have a tendency to uh, turn up when you're not expecting them. They will bomb the facilities in your base, causing you to stop production or have to start uh, your research all over again. They just basically become a thorn in your side, and you have the option, and it is totally optional, do you go out and hunt them down or do you just leave them alone? and ignore them and carry on with the normal missions that is totally up to the player if you can deal with them being a thorn in your side every now and then you know carry on with the normal mission if they become too much it's up to you anyway enemy within right and this is the surprising thing i never thought that there would be a reboot of a game that received so many plaudits in the year of its release a reboot coming out just uh, just over a year after that game was released not only that i never expected that anyone would have the audacity of releasing this game, right, after w- after doing their own modifications to it, or that the game that they released would be so far above the original release. It's actually al- uh, it's almost a completely different game. It has exactly the same storyline, exactly the same game mechanics, uh, you know, uh, sorry, very similar game mechanics. Everything is so familiar and yet so different. Okay, okay. Um, right, the ga- this game forces players to think of not only the current situation but also future operations, resource management, base facilities, space, uh, everything like that and every decision impacts on the game especially which country you decide to help because those countries are the ones that provide you with money and resources and if you let one of those let the panic of one of those countries become to come to a critical level, they'll pull your funding you'll find that you've had your resources cut by a lot. This game really is something special um, if you are a fan of the original XCOM, if you're a fan of strategy games in any way, shape, or form, or sci-fi games, mm. you need to play this game. It's you not going to convert, though. I'm not going. I'm asking to people con- people to convert. No, know? no, it's not the sort of game that you could jump in and think, yeah, this is the sort of thing for actually, me. It's a bit too. Actually, because it's squad based, uh, because it's squad based, ra- rather than typical command and conquer type thing, 
you very much you're very much involved with the combat your soldiers are fighting but they're following your orders you're the commander in the field so you have to tell them where to go where to where okay. to take yeah, over yeah, yeah, things like that um it's technically improved in almost every uh, in every way and it it is effectively just a reboot of a game from a year ago but it's so much more than that and i got to say this is my top 10 for the year easily okay okay, okay. right ah don't think we have time for uh, a, a song animation section. Well, you don't have time for a song, but we can t- we can do the animation one because there's a, there's scrub out pick of the geek. Yeah, um, it is it is lacking in in the West the whole idea of Austin space. Yeah, I mean, I was thinking we Eastern animation lost in loads. space. It's it's ten a penny. It's everywhere, but. In the well, West, there's basically. I, would, I wouldn't not say it was ten a penny, well, but it is quite quite common. Yeah, yeah, that's what I mean. But in the West, I would be struggling to think of anything. At Do you all. know the only one that I could think of for uh, that 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 came from that was Western, but it wasn't actually Western. It was East. It was Japan and France. Yeah, Ulysses thirty one. Is that it? Yes. Well, the question I had though was, what would the West actually have to offer if it was, you know. Trying to do space stuff. Futurama. That's yeah. Ulysses thirty one and Futurama. That's it. But yeah. I want to recall Futurama lost in space. Some episodes are lost in space, but yes, a lot of them are actually. But lost in time. Slash lost in space. Yeah, yeah. But other than that, what could the West actually give? Well, I think it's because a lot of our animation is compartmentalized. It's sort of like monster of the week. It, it it lacks the kind of coherent, overarching storyline. Here's a question. Um, just uh, this is a bit left field, but it does have something to do with this, all right? Do you think that you know you know the whole uh, all those nineteen uh, fifties uh, Warner Brothers Looney Tunes cartoons, everything like that? You know, we develop we, much of what we think of uh, of our current Western animation industry. It, you know, takes a lot of its influence from those. You know, not just from Disney, but from those. A lot of our mentality yeah, has yeah, been does, developed from that. Does. I mean, there's du- there's Duck Dodgers episodes where Duck Dodgers is lost in space as well. Or Marvin the Martian. Yeah, you know, Marvin the Martian, obviously. But do you think that they're also what hinders us from actually doing shows like this? Well, yeah, it's basically what that said. It's compartmentalization. It's this is over here and that over there. There's anim- adult stuff. Yeah. And space stuff, it's it's got no market at all. Yeah. I mean, even on TV for proper, it's not existing at all. So the idea of putting something in, as exhaustive of man ta- manpower, mm. like animation, into something like uh, Austin Space is just not going to happen, which is a shame because the writing in these things, like uh, Avatar is a great example of a Western anime. Yeah. So why can't that same sort of well, ethos be adapted I, for something that's out of uh, something left field like? I wouldn't know. even call Avatar an anime. I'd well, say it's it just, just the same I'd sensibilities. Say, I'd say it was a great story. Same sensibilities you know. as anime. That's people, what I mean. People tend to ridicule science fiction, and it's it's got a bad rep, and it's always had a bad rep, and it always seemingly will have a bad rep because it's ridiculed on the grounds that it, it's sort of that niche market of sort of teenage boys or sad old men and it's whilst it might not be true and i obviously disagree with that 
hmm. marketing pl- ploy with my status as sci-fi and cult manager at OneCon as well as other things that I do in my personal life being a massive sci-fi fan in my own right hmm. um, it's it, it's sadly the cultural perception of the people with the money that that's what science fiction is in and around those markets and combine that with animation which is largely seen as a childish thing yep you've then got uh, a market which then just doesn't want to spend money on combining two things which they see as largely unpopular and unprofitable and when you do get shows that uh, have kind of a space theme you get things like atomic betty oh god yeah that exactly that happened (laughs) I just remembered that happened. Yeah, I I tend to not remember that. Yeah. Uh, thanks. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, um, the, the the thing is, there's some brilliant stories that can be told. I mean, uh, there's one that uh, I, it, it, I'm making it my first review back after my year off re- written reviews called Heroic Age, which is basically Earth has been, you know, Earth has been conquered, humanity is on the verge of total annihilation. They're basically hiding out in a small sector of space, um, because the big, bad, powerful tribe in space wants to eradicate them, wants to annihilate them completely. Well, I think a lot of the mythoses around games have mm. a, a fantastical sort of market that could be well, heroic capitalised age, on. But yeah. Heroic Age takes its cues from ancient Greek mythology, mm-hmm. especially the kind of myths about Hercules, sorry, the legends about Hercules. It's an interesting series. It's very formal and very classical in its approach. But then you have things like Macross and Gundam and all those other things and Yamato. You mentioned Yamato, which is take, which is uh, originally an anime. Yeah, it shows in the movie. It mm. really does. But, uh, you know, the, there's so many of these... Uh, I mean, they call them space operas now. You yeah. Know. Uh, they call them space operas now. I'm like, well, you know... Uh, well, it's kind of true of a lot of them. It it's is. soap opera in space. It is. With a lot of these things. You know. Um, but I think it, it's... With animation, especially, it costs a lot of money, it costs a lot of time, it's a lot of manpower, and with science fiction, people just don't see it as being worth that. Yeah. Yes. Um, I Lost can't disagree. space, doubly so. The I can't news, disagree with you. They tend to be the more successful, though, though the budgets, the more money they make, because the fans want this stuff more. It's the same with horror. Lost little money to actually make this stuff, but it makes loads more than it actually costs to make. It just yep. seems to be ignored it's, completely. Yeah, it's not acknowledged by the people with oh, the money. No. Exactly, exactly. It, it, we never find a film, a mainstream film, as a horror called a horror. It's always a thriller. That's yeah. how much they hate things like these. Sci-fi as well is equally derided. Yeah. But uh, I agree. I think that's all we've got time for. Yes, we are unfortunately at the end of the show. What's so uh, next week? Are we... Um, I, haven't dis- I don't think we've decided yet. Well, I was going to suggest... Polizia! I think we should do that. Police. Police, sorry. Yeah, police. Polizia! We've never, we never done that before. Yeah, I th- actually, I like that, you know, because we can do the buddy cop thing as well, can't we? Yeah, we're going to do that one, but... <laughs> it falls into the police thing. <laughs> okay. Deal with it. Okay. I could, I could review Inferno Cop. <laughs> Nobody's seen Inferno Cop. I have seen Inferno Maniac Cop. Cop. Maniac Cop, all Yeah, Maniac Cop. Inferno Cop... I don't think it was. I don't think it was as much of a satire as people thought. It was very satirical. It was terrible. <laughs> yeah. Uh, anyway, that's it for this week. Yes, uh, that is it for this week. We have been the Geek Show. We'll see you all next week. Uh, I've been Rob. I've been Nat. And I've been Rob. Bye. 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 
For over 28 years, Aflac has been a champion, donating over $168 million to fight pediatric cancer and blood disorders, including sickle cell disease. This December, Aflac proudly joins 97.1 Wash FM and Children's National Hospital for the annual Wash for Kids Radiothon. Mark your calendars for December 14th and 15th for a heartwarming 14-hour live broadcast where you can join Aflac in their efforts to support the miracle work happening at Children's National. Save the date, tune in, and be a part of something extraordinary with Aflac.